Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. We're starting a new series this morning called Blessed. And uh, we're starting it with, with this mindset of understanding what it means to be blessed. I want you to, to take notice of those of you who are on social media. Obviously, you know the language, the social media vocabulary and the language of, of what it means to be blessed because you see people all the time writing something that says hashtag blessed, right? So you see someone that says, got this new job I was praying about and I start tomorrow blessed. Or somebody else will say, it's Taco Tuesday and it's Thursday, Blessed right? Or people will say, you know, I got this bonus that I was really not expecting and it just happened blessed, right? Or, or out with the love of my life at the best vacation spot ever, hashtag blessed, right? So we've all seen that. And, and typically we associate, when we see that, we associate blessing in life with, with what we have as far as possessions, a, a moment in life that makes us happy, um, uh, money that we've received, just something along the lines of us receiving something, and then we equate that to being blessed. You notice we never post anything negative and then say hashtag blessed, right? You never say constipated for two days, blessed, right? <laughs> you never say baby threw up on me three times today, blessed, right? We never associate it with something we receive that's negative. It's always receiving something that's positive. Some of y'all really liked that joke about constipation. <laughs> We never say, you know, oh, gain 10 pounds and it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Blessed. Like, we never go there. It's always about us receiving something that makes us feel like, man, this is the greatest moment. This is, this is the happiest moment. I could park right here. I could camp right here. Life is about this moment. I had one of those moments this week, and I'll show it to you right now. It's a little picture of a particular cute little person. And her name is Eden Rain, and she is adorable, as adorable as can be, and her arms are getting big. Can you see the little rolls in her arms now? That's it. <laughs> you remember those pictures? Like my, I literally took a picture with my, my hands around her thigh, and it was like that. Basically like a Slim Jim is what her leg was like. And she's growing, and, and uh, many dirty diapers, dirty diapers later, she's doing, doing very well. But, but that would be a blessed moment for me this weekend. What we're essentially saying when we say we're blessed for the most part is that life can't get any better than this. Now, I want us to take a look at Scripture and see what Jesus says. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he says, and this is Paul speaking. He says, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, wait a minute. We just talked about the happiest moments of our life, the place we could camp out, the place we could park, the place we could stop, the place we could freeze time is on the place where we said, this is where I'm blessed, when I've received. Yet Jesus is saying through this verse that we're going to be even more blessed when we learn to live a life of giving. Now, what is the word that, that is actually translated that Jesus used um, I'm going to do an attempt at Greek here. I believe it's the word is makarios. It's a Greek word, and it means blessed. And the definition is exactly what we th mean it to be. It's exactly what we mean when we put a hashtag out there about being blessed. It means to be happy. 
It means to be fortunate. It means to be envied. Come on, sometimes you post a picture, and you know people are going to be jealous of your blessed picture on the greatest vacation ever. Like, somebody hooked you up, you know, with the greatest vacation spot ever. You don't tell them that you didn't pay for it. They hooked you up, but you say, just spending seven days of vacation here, blessed. And you know somebody's looking at that picture, getting jealous of you. Amen? Come on, some of us know that. The rest of us are just not telling the truth. But that definition means the exact same thing that we, that we use it for. So Jesus was saying, you're going to be happy when you receive, but you're going to be more happy when you give. And the one thing in common about all the blessed posts that that we see on social media, that we read, the one thing they have in common is that they all have to do with someone receiving. 99 times out of 100, it's about someone receiving, not giving. Isn't that interesting? But we say we're blessed. But Jesus is turning the tables on us, as he always does, and says, you're blessed when you receive, but you're going to be more blessed when you give. I want us to think about that, because anytime Jesus says something, we have to decide what we believe about this statement that he says. Because if we're really honest, there's a lot of things that Jesus says that we're kind of like, well, that's nice. And in a perfect world, that would be great. But as for me in my life right now, that doesn't exactly fit the bill. Right? And, and we find our way, this is where the message gets kind of like a little difficult now. Just hang on now. Just think of holiday cheer and Starbucks cups and all that good stuff, right? But we kind of find ways to kind of excuse ourselves out of some of the things that we know he says. I'll give you an example. When we know that forgiveness is a great idea until we have to forgive someone, right? You know, until we have to be in a position where we say, well, yeah, I mean, I, I forgive them, but there's this list of things that they did, and, 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 and I just want to make it clear that, well, well, yeah, but I understand. And so we have to decide, is, is Jesus and what he says going to be this ethereal thing floating out there in the cosmos where we're kind of like, well, yeah, it's a nice idea in a perfect world, but it doesn't really apply to me and my situation because I have found an excuse as to why I won't believe that or follow that or believe that as truth, or are we going to take what he says as truth and then from that point make the hard decision of seeing and asking God to work that thing out in our life so that it becomes truth. See, truth is truth. Jesus is truth and what he said is truth. Whether or not it becomes our truth is a whole different ballgame. And so we have to decide, what are we going to believe about what he said in this statement? Much of what he said sounds wonderful, but it's worked out in and through our life over time. And in this verse, Paul is actually referring to money. And he's essentially saying this, you're going to be happy when you're receiving money. Can I get an amen for that? <laughs> right? But you're, listen to this, you're going to be more happy when you're giving money. He's saying, don't forget the poor. Don't forget those in need. Don't forget to build the kingdom. Understand the big picture of what you're connected to. Yes, you're going to be blessed to receive, but understand, you're going to be more blessed. This is Jesus, creator of the universe. Understand, you're going to be more blessed, more happy, more fortunate, more in a position to be envied when you give. So the question is, do you and I really believe that for our own lives? I know it's a great idea. We've got that. It's great that people would be generous, but do we believe that for our own lives? Do we believe that for our own marriage? Do we want to live with a generous marriage? Janelle and I, when we, when we got married, we, we made some pillars in our marriage that have not moved by God's grace all these years. 
There were several of them, but a couple of them where we were always going to serve in the house of God. Somehow, someway, we're going to find a place to serve. When work was challenging for me and I couldn't do it, she was serving and my schedule was off, but somehow I find a way, found a way over time to get back involved. When, when we had the baby and you know, um, Vivian was small and we, couldn't, we, we found a way where I was involved, I was doing services. We just found a way to make sure that we were serving. We just had this commitment where we did not want our life to only become about us. Just paying the bills, collecting a check, planning for the next vacation, stressing about the bills, stressing about the promotion, and then there's never really any outlet for us to impact anyone's life. We just didn't want that for our life. We saw so many of our friends not only do that, but in doing that, their marriages unraveled, their love for God unraveled, their passion for the kingdom unraveled, their giving unraveled, they stopped giving. It became really about them and the majority of the people I don't know if this is about being friends with us or what, but the majority of the people aren't even together anymore. But our priorities went different ways. We decided we were going to tithe. We decided as a married couple we were going to give. We decided as a married couple we were going to serve. We were going to find an outlet for our marriage that didn't just build our marriage. Does that make sense? So the question is, do we believe that for our own life, for our own marriage, for your own business? Do you want your business to be a business that impacts the community or it just fills your bank account. Come on, it's great to fill the bank account. It's good to receive. Jesus said it. You're happy when you receive, but you're going to be more happy when your business can give and change other people. Maybe help someone else start a business. Maybe help a a kid go to college. Maybe help a mom or a dad who's single and hitting hard times. Maybe helping someone who won't steal a bike like John Shannon will at the Christmas outreach. That is a rumor and it is a joke. Don't Don't let that go out there. What kind of church do we want to be? Do we want to be a church that just receives or a church that does outreaches with bikes and stockings every single year and we increase more and more every year and we give more money away every year and we do more things every year and we always find ways to be a blessing not just to each other here but outside of the four walls of this church. Do we want to be a small-minded church that just receives and is fearful about the economy? Well, we're not going to be in this building forever, and we got to save every dime. We really can't do outreaches because, you know, we need a building, and we, just, we need to think long and hard about where we're at. Or do we want to just trust God that he's going to keep pouring in as we keep pouring out? Let's break it down with some real tangible things that we can relate to this morning. If I had a million dollars, and I said, a million-dollar check, and I have one for each and every one of you, here today at Grace Avenue, only for the 9 o'clock service today. Hey, you came to the lucky service. I just dipped into my bank account. I said, you know what? I'm going to be generous today. I'm going to write million-dollar checks for every single person at Grace Avenue at the 9 o'clock service. Not the 1015, not the 1145, just the 9 o'clock service. And I told you, guess what? You're leaving here today not only impacted by a preacher who's coughing his lungs out, but he's going to give you a million dollars today. Some of you would be like, I'm happy to receive that, right? Now, what if I told you, you're going to be more happy to take that million dollars that I placed in your hands, and within 60 seconds, you're going to give that away? Some of you are like, man, I'm okay being sad. I'll, I'll dab my tears with those $100 bills, and you know, I'll be just fine. Amen? Come on, our flesh starts to pull on things like that, where we start to say, a million dollars could do a lot of difference in my life right now, my family's life, my kids' life. Yeah, it could do a lot more for the kingdom of God. When we see the kingdom of God. See, one of our promises as a church, you see this on our website, you see this on the wall. We talk about this sometimes. I've done a message on it. Is determination. I did this at the beginning of the year. 
we're determined to own what God has given us and generously give it away to make an impact that lasts beyond now and lives beyond us. I want you to understand today the heartbeat and the pulse of the church that you've made your home. We are determined to not just be this and that and whatever else people may think we're called to be. We're determined to own what God has given us. That means us as a community and give it away generously to make an impact that lasts beyond us and lasts beyond now. What does that mean? That means if you're not comfortable with generosity, this is probably not going to be a good community for you. If you're not comfortable with giving, it's probably not going to be a comfortable. If, if you're like, well, I did, I did a stocking outreach last year. You know, I, I don't know if I want to do that this year. It's just going to keep coming. Every year we're going to want to do more and figure out how we can do more. We always are going to be a church that preaches and teaches. As long as I'm pastor, we're going to be a church that preaches and teaches generosity. And I believe it should be the personal mandate of every single believer and every marriage to, as the years go by, I'm not saying there's difficult seasons where we hit financial, you know, uh, pits and we, we can't do what we wish we could do. But as the years go on, we should increase in generosity. We should not be giving the exact same amount 30 years from now necessarily that we gave 30 years ago. Where was our faith? Where was our expectation? Where was our, our reaching out to see God do something more in our lives so that we could do something more for other people? Sometimes we have to take some steps. See, to understand giving correctly, because I don't want anybody to feel condemnation this morning. Anytime you talk about sex or money, I tell you what, condemnation comes down in the room like nobody's business. Do not feel condemned with what I'm talking about here this morning. We're talking about God's heart to be generous to people. This is, this is an, an encouraging clarification of what Jesus was saying. This is not you have and you should and you better and you. Look, God is working on you through this message. Let's let him finish what he's doing in this message, okay? To understand giving correctly, we have to understand the nature and the character of God. See, first and foremost, God is a giver. God in his very nature is a giver. The father heart of God is that of a giver. When the prodigal son returned from the pig slop and blowing his life, the giving nature of the father welcomed the son and embraced him with open arms. He didn't make him pay. He didn't tell him, you're a loser. Do you see what you've caused the family? How embarrassing what you've done to my family name. I worked so hard to establish an inheritance and you've blown it. He didn't go through the list of things that he probably had every right to tell the son. He was giving in grace towards the son. God is a giver by nature. The very nature is a giver. God the Father gave us the son. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. God gave us love. God gave us hope. God gave us mercy. God gives us grace. He gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us abilities. He gives you talents. He gave you open doors the last few years. He closed doors in some of your lives the last few years. And amen for that, that he did that. He closed the doors on certain destructive behaviors. God is a giver in nature. And the Bible teaches us that we're made in God's image and we're made in God's likeness. You've heard that verse before. We are made in his image and his likeness. Okay, most of us are cool with that when it comes to all the things that we receive. Things like peace and strength and wisdom and patience and love. Come on, we all need some of that. But he also has the nature and the character of a giver. And the giving aspect of a Christian's life, I I've have found just over years in church is one of the most underdeveloped areas of their life. Now, for some people, this is not a problem for you. For others, this is a challenge. 
And that's what we're talking about today. Statistics show, and I kind of said this last week, but the American church in general gives 2% of, them, of their income, which if you do the math, we actually spend a whole lot more on Starbucks coffee and, and eating out than we do sowing into the kingdom. That's just basic math. That's without getting all scientific. That's just the most basic stat that shows. Here's what's sad. In the Great Depression, they gave 3.3% of their income, which really <laughs> freaks me out about where we are as the church, which means some things are out of order. Maybe there's some things that are fearful that we're, we're dealing with. Maybe there's some disobedience. Nevertheless, we've got to find God's heart in this essence of giving. It's one of the areas that people wrestle with the most when it comes to living and giving like God. So here's what I want to say. God wants to shape your heart when it comes to giving. He's not trying to pry money out of your future or pry money out of your hands. He wants to shape your heart. I remember when the first times when we were still in the living room as a church and we received, uh, people started giving and we received some money that people were giving towards our future. We decided to sow into two churches, which for the most part, pretty much emptied the bank account that we had. We started, remember, $2,000 checks into these churches that were planning. Not probably, probably not wise from a strategic standpoint on our part about moving into a, a building or a movie theater at that time. But we sowed into those churches. Both of those churches are still going today. They're about five to six times bigger than they were. One of those particular churches has about six or seven campuses all around the world, and they were the same size as us. We sowed a seed into that. That's part of our harvest. That's part of our future. God connects us to that. God connects your tithes to that. You see the big picture of what we did. But God wants to shape your heart when it comes to giving. He knows you're happy when you receive but he wants you to find the joy in giving. Now, how do I know that? Because it's his nature to be a giver. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he saw the cross and gave his life. And part of the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that God, one by one, transforms things in our lives that, that don't reflect his image and don't reflect his likeness. Come on, some of us who walked with God for a long time, you understand there's things that God has peeled off of you like layers of an onion over time. And then there's things that dropped off of you instantaneously. But there's those things that God is working on and those things that God is shaping. And one is the giving nature of every believer. Not the giving nature of any person who can afford it, the giving nature of every believer. I want to show you, because some of you believe me, but some of you don't, so I'm going to show you some scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let him who stole, this is the Ephesian church, the city of Ephesus. The Ephesian church has attracted people to their church. The gospel has impacted their life. There were thieves among that community. Just like with John who stole that bike. There's thieves among the community. <laughs> and so Paul is speaking to the community as the spiritual leader of that church. And he's saying this, let him who stole steal no longer. But let him labor with his hands that he may have something to give, give him who has need. I want you to notice something. God does not stop with saying, well, don't steal anymore. That's bad. And here's what's good. He says to the person who steals, go to work with your own hands and from your own labor and from your own hands, become a giver. Display the giving nature of God through your life, through your marriage, through your hands, through what you've worked for. He didn't say your time. He didn't even say your talents. He's talking about money. 
And God's goal is, God's goal is not simply that, that you and I stop doing things that are sinful and harmful to our lives in society. He wants to transform the broken area of our life and create it as a place of help for others. See, those thieves became avenues of grace for someone else. I used to steal. I wonder what that person felt like, the person who used to steal, that now began to work, who had never done that before, who had always just kind of made his way, doing his own thing, ripping people off, now coming to the reality that he's working, taking that reality, taking his own income, understanding the pride he feels when he says, wow, I earned this with my own hands, and then saying, I'm going to bless someone with this. I'm not going to keep it all for myself. We're supposed to do something for God's kingdom with our finances. Now, here's the other side of that. God wants you to enjoy life. God doesn't mind if you plan the trip to Disneyland, if you plan the trip to the beach, if you buy yourself some golf clubs. He doesn't mind if you get your hair did or your nails done or whatever it is that you do that makes you happy. I'll prove that to you with scripture, Ecclesiastes 5.18. Here is what I have seen to be good and fitting, to eat and drink and get your hair done and go golfing and enjoy oneself in all one's labor in which he toils under the sun. And we're under the sun here in Texas. During the few years of his life, which God has given him for this is his reward. We're supposed to enjoy the fruits of our labor. We're not supposed to have a condemned mindset about money but we're also not supposed to have a stingy mindset about money, an entertainment mindset about money where it's all about us. Life is supposed to be lived and life is supposed to be enjoyed. We're supposed to work hard and see God's goodness and see his gifts operating through our lives. Enjoy the blessing of what God has created us to do. See, some of you really enjoy your life. You really enjoy your job. You love your work. I love seeing people who love what they do. It, it stirs passion in me to see other people stirred in their own passion. But it stirs me even more to see them enjoy the fruit of their labor. Because some people, I look at them, I say, man, I know where they started from. They started from nothing. They had nothing. And look how far they've come. They've worked. They've tithed. They've invested. They've served. They've helped. And now look, God is blessing them. What an amazing thing to behold, how God's blessing has rested upon that family or that individual. Here's another thing. God wants to build the kingdom through your finances. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. And God who supplies seed for the sower and bread to eat will also supply you with all the seed you need and will make it grow and produce a rich harvest from your generosity. I'm going to say that again because this is going to be, I think, the scripture that opens the eyes of many people through this series. And God who supplies seed for the sower what is seed? Seed is our resource. Seed is finances. But who does he supply seed to? Those who sow. And then he says, and he supplies bread to eat. In other words, he supplies bread for us to eat. Tortillas for some of you. Oatmeal for others. For some of the vegans in here, something different. But nevertheless, he provides for us. In other words, he gives you enough to eat, but he gives you the majority to sow to invest into your life, to build your life, to be a good steward of your life, to manage your household, to manage your income, to manage your kid's future, to manage your future, right? What does that bring us to? It brings us to our first point. Every financial decision is a seed decision. Every financial decision in life is a seed decision. Some seed is for the summer trip to Disneyland. Some is for eating. 
Some is for blessing people. Some is for paying the bills. But every financial decision is a seed decision. Why? Seeds have the force of life within them. Whenever you look at a tree, that tree was a seed at one point. And that tree started somewhere, but then it grew. Now, you don't see the tree in the seed, but you can see the seed in the tree. And this is what God is trying to show us. Seeds have incredible potential. We can estimate what we think a seed will do, but we really don't know what will take off and what will happen as a result of the seed that we plant into the kingdom of God. We don't know who it will bless, how many lives it will change. Here's the second point. Every financial decision is a spiritual decision. A lot of times we kind of think spiritual decisions are things that we pray about, things we get the feels about, decisions that we're making. Oh, those are very spiritual decisions. Do you know that every financial decision is a spiritual decision? Hebrews 13 says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, God's saying, hey, if things don't go the way that you had wanted financially, you've got everything you need in me. So don't be seduced by the love of money. Can I tell you that the majority of the, I would say the quote, marriage problems that people have over the years that I've encountered, it's, it's having to do with a couple of things, but one of the main ones is finances. Just, just if it's not mismanagement, uh, it's hard times, or, or a disagreement as far as the couple on, you know, whether they should tie, the one doesn't, and one doesn't want to, and wants to give a little bit, one wants to tip, one wants to tie, and it becomes a tug of war, and then it starts this conversation, and then, it, and then they stop talking about it because it becomes tense. Can I just say, as a married couple, get on the same page about money. Get on the same page about giving. Get on the same page about what you're going to spend. Yes, it's hard. Welcome to marriage. Welcome to money. Welcome to life. You always want more. And it's great to receive, but God says it's better to give. So get on the same page. Don't let something as as simple as money tear your God-ordained connection apart. Amen? Spiritual maturity is not just how we pray serve others or how much Bible we know. It's whether or not we handle money correctly. To truly be blessed according to how Jesus meant it is to be living a life opposite of what we see in the world. Opposite. Let me ask you this. Do you think there's any intention of any Republican or any Democrat funding the kingdom of God? Do you think there's any Republican, Democrat, or Independent, or anybody else, communist, whoever you want to say, socialist, (laughs) who has the great intention of teaching people about Jesus. No. Who's going to do it? The church. How does the church do that as it grows? How does the church grow? As people love and serve and give and make an impact with their finances. See, the goal here is that you have possessions, but possessions don't have you. You possess money, but money doesn't possess you. You own material things, but material things don't own you. You're faithful with money, not fearful about money. Because everything, every financial decision is a spiritual decision. Here's my last point. Every financial decision is a stewardship decision. It's a stewardship decision. You don't have to wait 
until you need a, a financial counselor or a debt counselor to get your finances in order. Use the principles of scripture. Begin with trusting God that nothing you have belongs to you. This is deep. That little baby that I fought so hard for and prayed for, she don't belong to me. That's God's daughter. I'm a steward of that kid's life. I got a responsibility in that kid's life. I have a responsibility for the atmosphere I create in the home. With the father that I become in her eyes. With the representation of Jesus I am to her and to Vivian. With the type of husband I am. They, they don't belong to me. I'm a steward of their lives. I'm the steward of my resources in the same way. Psalms 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, including money, the world and all who live in it. 1 Corinthians 4.2, now it's required that those who have been given a trust, literally it means those who are stewards, they must prove faithful. In other words, God has blessed you financially so that you can be faithful, not fearful, but faithful, right? Luke 16.10, this is Jesus himself. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. If we think the money that we make and the resources that we make and the talents that we have and the gifts that we have are only ours, then here's what's going to happen. We're always going to have a tight grip on everything that we think is ours when God has called us to live with an open hand. God has called us to live with an open hand in this generation. You got one shot in this world to make an impact in this generation. You pass on to your children the life and the spirit of generosity. You pass on to your friends and your coworkers what you believe about generosity and the kingdom going forward. You believe basically that that scripture I said about it's more blessed to give than to receive is this nice idea out there in the cosmos that would be nice if our life was in perfect order. We actually trust that no matter where we are, God can use what we have and make a difference with it because we believe it's truth. I want every person in Grace Avenue Church to be blessed. I want you to receive every job you apply for that you know is God's will, every bonus that you're hoping for, every house that you're believing for, everything you want for your kids. I want all of God's prosperity to be prayed upon your life and blessed in your life. I want that for you. But here's more than that. I want what Jesus wants for your life. Something that's operated in and through my life for a long time. Something my father taught me. Something I'm so thankful that my father taught me from early on. He would literally say, this is the Lord's account. He would use those words. This is the Lord's account which I want you to notice him, that was separate from his tithe. His tithe would go to his church and then the, the Lord's account was something he would, he would put aside and he would say, do you want to put something in the Lord's account? I would think, what, what is that for? He goes, that's for any opportunities that God gives us a chance. I mean, I'm a little kid. I'm a little kid. Any opportunities that God brings our way, we can make a difference in someone's life. You don't know who God's going to bring into your life. He taught me that as a kid. And now we, now we give generously. We buy people coffee. We buy people dinner. We help people with a car park. We, we, we just do stuff because it's second nature to us now because we live with an open hand. God wants you to live with an open hand. Amen. Let's pray this morning. 
If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.